Blog Talk Radio. or in their living room, 
or 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 many 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 different places one can tune in and then there are others who say ah i know mitchell is on at six but i'm having dinner or i'm running out to exercise or i have a date so i'm going to catch him later I'm passing up the chance to be part of the show if I do so. And I realize that that is a sacrifice. However, uh, I will catch up with him another time because I appreciate the offer to be part of the living dialogue regarding creating a better world and because I see myself as a leader in this effort in my way in my particular domain, my specific field. So, you get it? I'm talking about you, all of you who are skipping the live broadcast. But for those of you who are listening in, who maybe just saw my Facebook post, or perhaps even the Twitter, uh, could tune in and join me here at this wonderful radio station. Um, and become part of the dialogue. 602-753-1860. Now, no doubt most of the people who tune in have tuned in many, many times before. And they tune in again because they know they're going to be hearing some pretty rich dialogue And in this case, those of you who get the newsletter and know that, uh, Better World newsletter that is, uh, who know that when it's a solo show, I will be solo unless or until one of you joins me in the dialogue and then I see you in my engineering panel and I will patch you in if you call 602-753-8. And if you do not call, uh, you also know that I will continue to speak. I will monologue instead of dialogue and uh, share with you the thoughts, feelings, reflections, concerns I have for us all directly without mediation, mitigation, or modification three M's. So I am at www.abetterworld.tv abetterworld.tv that is the place, the home of a better world media and it's always delightful to have you join us and sign up for our newsletter or sign up for any of our variety of activities all the way from uh getting the newsletter for free, to signing up for a Better World Harmonic Energetic Balancing Program, or popping over to www. They say we don't have to do that anymore. MitchellRabin.com, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-R-A-B-I-N, as in Arabin, .com, to see some of the other... um, coaching, counseling, consulting, stress management services that I have been offering for decades. 
communication services, how to speak with your spouse, your friend, your business partner in a responsible, forthright, yet delicate, sensitive, and responsible way so that both parties, or in the case of a family, all parties, can gain and give. Yes, gain and give. Give and receive. You know that paradigm? It's called win-win. It means everybody who is part of the game must win. And there's always sacrifice in this life. Always. Just part of the paradigm, man. And, uh, you know, if people say no, you got to check that kind of Kool-Aid. People just think that there's, uh, there's a new age infection out there that suggests that no work will still yield profit. I don't mean necessarily just monetary profit. I mean all levels of profit. And I don't mean work hard in some kind of old Piscean way or some way that uh, makes you know your knuckles white and your knees scraped. No, 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 no. But work smart and work with focus and work with a sense of quality and discipline and aliveness and presence. That's work, man. We are made to work as we are made to love. We want to churn the soil and turn it over so we can see the worms enjoy the uh, odiferous fragrance of new soil and sow our seeds. And that doesn't happen without lifting a finger. I don't care how much of a manifester you may be. You will need to grab that hoe and dig. <laughs> you know, just the way it is. So let's not be afraid of such things. Let's in turn, I recommend, regard work as sacred activity. Work that is designed to make a difference work that is designed to nourish others materially and spiritually. Wow, what a view. Hey, everyone wants in on that one, so let's do it. All right, so on that note, I have called leaders together to talk with me, questions, comments, solutions, and from there, we can further the planetary action, usually best on local levels. Are we on the same page? Oh, I do hope. Uh, the number again, 602-753-1860. 602-753-1860. Do not hesitate to join in and be part of the dialogue because I know you're out there there are always people out there and they listen and uh, I think that's great I love listening and I love listeners and I love people who decide to get the courage up and make a call and join in that's 602 753 1860 and until such, I will continue with some conversation 
of looking at the fact that we are at a point of close to extinction. What? Did you say? Yes, I did. It's known as the sixth extinction. In fact, uh, a New Yorker uh, writer, journalist, Elizabeth Colbert, it sounds like Colbert, but it's not, it's Colbert, uh, wrote a book by such name, The Sixth Extinction. And indeed, we are uh, seeking to engage her to be a guest on our show here at A Better World because her research shows that we are going through all of the stages and showing oh so many of the signs and symptoms of an extinction, which has happened some five major times over the course of the past, you know, several uh, million years. So it does happen. It doesn't mean that we are here forever. We have this egocentric, um, how do I say, narcissistic notion that somehow I am here now and I will therefore be here forever. Well, you know, I believe that there's an actual germ of truth to that. We will be here together forever, but not in the way most people think, i.e. body, physical, corporal body, soma intact. No, not quite that. Bodies do decay. They do disintegrate. And uh, it's got to be expected. We can live for a long time. And uh, there's a lot of evidence that said long, there's a new long, you could say, as there is a new normal, which I'm not so crazy about, uh, what I see as being called the new normal, which doesn't have much integrity to it. But the new normal that I'm talking about and the new longevity that I'm talking about, and I think that most listeners would feel this way and agree, involves a fundamental level of a higher integrity. And longevity is just that we can keep the game going and the ball rolling for even longer. Cool? So there are ways to eat. There are ways to drink. There are ways to sleep. There are ways to move, exercise, dance, etc. That is so enlivening and so presencing of consciousness that joy just flows. And when it flows, the cells are vibrating at a very playful, poignant level. And when this happens, my dear friends, life is begetting life. Vitality, vitality. Life force, life force. That's what we're going for. Now, you could say, then what? I do. Let's say we have a long life from the hundreds and hundreds of years like uh, Methuselah and others. Let's just say, okay, um, it's not that we're living quantitatively in a way that just continues on. It's that we live qualitatively. We are dedicated to service 
to our species, to sentient life, as the bodhisattvas are. We care about the well-being of our brothers and sisters, and we want to work with them. It doesn't matter what their cultural background is. It doesn't matter what their ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what their creed, their religion may be. All of that are just examples of the beautiful flowers in the garden. And we want lots of different colored, beautiful flowers. Some tall, some short, some stout, some broad, some smiling, some silly. You know, some elegant. So that's the game of life. That's the game of nature. That's the game of the web of life for which we can be greatly, greatly thankful. So that's not the issue. The issue of many is how do we coordinate our micro-lives, our local lives, and longevity and quality, engaged in sacred activity, play and work, with the macro? Well, it's an interesting thing. There's an old phrase that says, when you do well on earth, chasten, uh, ch- heaven chases you. Well, why would that be? That's because when we're doing well on the horizontal level, the level on which we were born and are here to cooperate with our other members of our species and others, first with our own. You know, first you put the oxygen mask on your own face and then on your child's. That's what they tell us up in the air, up near heaven, <laughs> right? When we do that, we are um, we're bolstering our own energy field, our own morphogenetic field. And when we do that, we will have greater strength, fortitude, and vitality for helping, let's just say, the non-human species. And be they animals, plants, or beyond, we are fortified. So this is good. We gain from both the reflection in our own mirror and uh, the reflection of us in all of nature. Let me give the phone number out again, 602-753-1860, 602-753-1860. It's the standard uh, phone number for Blog Talk Radio at A Better World. So please, please do join here. So I want you to see the level first of the micro of locality to non-locality for sure, as well as to global, then universal um, locality, if you will. Our local globe, (laughs) our local solar system, our local galaxy, interfacing with all galaxies. It starts to get really interesting. And our mind, I have always said that imagination is probably our closest relationship to God because we can expand and contract in a nanosecond. There's nothing short of brilliant about it. It's genius. It's an electrochemical event that seems to happen both inside time and outside at the same, uh, uh uh-oh, time. I'm trapped. 
I'm trapped in time. I'm trapped in the time-space continuum. But I think you can follow what I mean. If you understand sort of the work of uh, Gurdjieff, where we talk about stepping out of time to make an observation of oneself in motion, a body moving in time and space, and when we observe it, what part of that consciousness is observing something that is in the time-space continuum, it could be argued, and he does, that there is some element of it that is actually outside bearing witness to the entirety of the time-space continuum. And again, we have in more modern times the work of Eckhart Tolle, who in The Power of Now, which, by the way, for those of you who may not know, is the name of an essay that I wrote uh, prior to the popularity of Eckhart Tolle, uh, meaning going back to the year of 1979. It was an article that was more talking about the role of authority um, and our relationship to it and how we can match it and become free of the programming regarding it, uh, it wasn't about just being in the now, in the moment, as Tolley's beautiful work has done. But it is interesting and curious that the article that I wrote back then on typewriter, because that's all we had back then, was called indeed The Power of Now. So again, an interesting uh, argument for the uh, support of the idea of Rupert Sheldrake's popular notion of morphogenetic fields. Yes, uh, for those of you who would know this, he did not originate that idea, but he did popularize it, and he did take it to another level of popularity and overall mainstream understanding. That's my new normal, that everybody understands fields that people do understand mirror neurons, that people understand non-locality as a matter of course. Like, but of course, we all know that when two atoms come into contact once, they are in contact for what we could refer to as forever. When we look at each other or we look at a photograph of ourselves, there's mirror neuron activity taking place, reflecting back ourselves in other. So self and other, I and thou are one, just as all of the great sages of all time have said. From that point of view, there's no such thing as hurting another without actually hurting oneself. This is a level of consciousness, my friends, that most people actually do not uh, attain if they have not activated their higher centers, be it both on the level of chakra and on the level of brain. That means neuroreceptor sites activated in the prefrontal cortex. That means neuroreceptor sites activated in the actual physical heart and the area therein. Yes. And don't forget the colon. Love your colon. Oh, yes. <laughs> Love your colon. It does so much for us. And indeed, we have thousands of receptor sites there, too. Neuronal activity. So, yes, indeed, we think with our gut. 
we think with our heart and we think with our head brain. And in the prefrontal area, we know through research that has been conducted at this point for many, many years that people who have really developed consciousness, such as frequently meditators or those who engage in sacred dance and sacred movement, those who whirl like the dervishes and others who are practicing different spiritual arts, techniques, methods, and disciplines are actually activating, of all places, not the reptilian brain teaching them to fight or flee and be afraid of every shadow. No, but the prefrontal lobes, the prefrontal cortex as part of our human neocortex. Interesting? You betcha. Even Sarah Palin would agree. You bet. And this is where, as a species, we are heading, we are moving in this direction, and we need all hands and all brains and all hearts on deck in order for that soul to guide us, oh yeah, to the uh, promised land. The promised land is, uh, hmm, how do I put it, right here, folks. Heaven on earth. That's the game. That's the game. We have to let go of the fear-based phenomenon that the reptilian brain has specialized in. God bless it. It needs to specialize in it. We need a part of our apparatus that can get us out of what might be harm's way. Uh, An oncoming bus, fear is a very useful reaction. Not a problem. But when we're living the rest of our lives as though we are in a predatory rich environment, that becomes a problem. Because what do we do then? Just like Abraham Maslow said so wisely, if our only uh, if our only tool is a hammer, we will tend to see the world as nails. If the only brain we have is the reptilian, we will tend to see the world as predators. That's the way it goes. And if you take and honest at what our world looks like now, right now, a slice of reality across countries, you will see that we are living out of our reptilian brain, sprinkled with a few of the atoms, molecules, okay, a few neurons of our cerebral cortex. But God, it ain't nothing next to what our potential is. It ain't nothing, you know? So, on that note, I am engaging thee to discuss what it would mean to activate the higher brain lobes. Oh, yes. Whether it be through meditation or through Qigong and Tai Chi Chuan, or other martial arts, actually, uh, the focus engaged uh, will help to activate the higher brain or the uh, avid inner life of sports, of athletics that bring us into the zone, the endorphin-rich areas of the brain that require high-level focus and attention on one spot 
and then poof, it disappears, and we're in the space of freedom in the moment, very much like Eckhart Tolle describes, where our freedom as humans lies in that moment of presence. I want to bring to bear a study in which I've been engaged uh, relatively recently that I feel also has tremendous promise for moving us out of the uh, possible destination, I didn't say destiny, I said destination, of the sixth extinction, and that is uh, this uh, work uh, together by Dr. Michael Cotton, who has been a guest on these very radio waves, uh, a, an organization and a technique referred to as higher brain living. Now, I'm sort of straddled in the middle of two intensive 10-day sessions with Michael and his wonderful facilitators and trainers who are just, oh, just fabulous people. And I've uh, just come to love them all, uh, who in Chicago are offering this extraordinary training. Uh, and indeed, I am in the midst of such training uh, into which I will uh, uh, dive <laughs> headlong once it's done. Um, and uh, here in the middle of Manhattan with uh, what looks like will be uh, the first awakened center here with a couple of colleagues who are very involved in similar types of interests and the values that accompany these interests, including the use of neurofeedback to actually measure this kind of prefrontal activity. And in fact, whole brain activity, that's what we're really looking at. We want to see what happens in the whole brain when this kind of technique is administered. So I'm telling you folks, long-time meditators, long-time seekers of wisdom and consciousness, that we have in our midst what looks like a way for activating this higher level of consciousness in, you know, days and weeks and months instead of years and decades. And that's what the evidence, scientific evidence, is beginning to indicate. We're very much in the early stages of this, but uh, nonetheless, we have indications that really show that uh, we are heading in the right direction with this very gentle pressure touch technique that uh, is, is showing real promise. And, of course, I'll be getting back to you about this real soon. But I'm bringing it up here because uh, those of us engaged in that study and um, are very interested in what is spoken of by psychologists, by Ken Wilbur, and uh, in our group of uh, higher brain learning, living, um, both actually, uh, Michael Cotton, of a sixth epoch. And uh, there we um, kind of bypass the extinction part of it, 
we go right to the epoch part of it, which means that humans will continue their amazing journey on this planet and will blossom like the most beautiful of flowers into a new society, into a way of being that is resonant with nature, not against her, but along with her, in the Tao instead of fighting and contrary to the Tao, because that won't work. How do I know? Look! <laughs> it's the evidence is everywhere, is it not? This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. We are on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. We love when you join us anytime. Love when you listen, uh, you know, live. It's fun. It's got, it's got a zets. It's got zest. It's got, you know, it begets more aliveness. So you are invited to call in at 602-753-1860. But short of any of you calling in, I will continue with this monologue, which I hope is hitting you in your hearts. I hope it is titillating your mind, and I hope it is tickling your brain, all maybe at the same time. Because it's this kind of tickling and titillating and striking and touching. Well, if I didn't put the word striking in, I would have had all T's and it would have been really very alliterative, wouldn't it? Ah, sorry. <laughs> I still got there, but I, I put an S in there also, so that's okay. Uh these are the building blocks for creating a better world. And my call tonight out to y'all was for leaders who want to step up to the plate and play this of leadership. It's not the old paradigm leadership of, I'm in charge and you're not, and we're going to find my way or the highway. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about leadership by example. I'm talking about being the seat of wisdom, the seat of integrity, the seat of love, and emitting it, effervescing it, radiating this energy to us all. And that there can be felt. Again, I'm going to refer to Eckhart Tolle, who I think puts it well, that that felt sense of wisdom, of awareness, of love emanating from another, from another source, which is also you. Huh, interesting. So when we look around at the world and we see that we're uh, playing out this horrible nightmare that's based on a fear-based, low-level brain that was given to us millions of years ago thankfully, but we were also then given a limbic brain, a mammalian brain that is for warm-blooded creatures like us, and it promotes the activation of an emotional style like the expression of sympathy, 
compassion, empathy, and love. Interest, concern, connectedness. All of that actually comes from our mammalian brain and best when supported by our cerebral cortex, if you want to kind of get neurophysiological about it. This is the home. This is a great brain, this mammalian brain. But let's not stop there, because in fact we have another layer. And this other layer gives us access to what looks like maybe the full distance of our human potential. And that said, that human potential reaches down, not just across horizontally into our prefrontal lobes, but down into our heart area, which is why indigenous peoples have always spoken of the wisdom of the heart, because they have had their own ways of expanding its energy field and connecting to it. And bypassing the reptilian brain, by the way, you know, there's some bypass surgery worth talking about, bypassing the otherwise predominant nature of the reptilian brain, which is obvious everywhere in our world. And greed, by the way, and excess, by the way, are signs and symptoms of a fear-based, reptilian-based world. Okay? Why? Because... Greed is a function of not having enough, which in turn is a function of not feeling that we are enough. Yes. On the very basis of existence itself, the ontological reality which we face as beings question our essence, our value. That is, our essential value. What is it? Who defines it? Who determines it? Who shapes it? Now, you could even look at the notion of original sin from this perspective and see that that was a rather natural place to go from the reptilian headset, not from a godly or divine headset. No, 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 no. But actually you could look at original sin as a very fine example. We were born by mistake. We were born into sin. And there we shall remain until we see salvation. And from that point of view, you could see uh, the Christ, uh, even higher the Christic, as the onset of our access to our higher brain. Interesting. So we are sinning in the reptilian brain. Uh, you know, I'm being a little playful here, as I think you've noticed. But in a sense, that notion of original sin is self-abnegation. That is from the very beginning, ab-origino. You know, it's really aboriginal. Yeah, it's a negation of self. It's the negation of self-value self-worth and unfortunately we are born into a context into a background listening or as 
Werner Erhard would call it, the cultural listening, that we're worth nothing, and we got to make something of ourselves. We have to prove our value to each other and ultimately to ourselves because we do not actually contain inner value, inherent organic value. But I do beg to differ. I believe that we can teach and inculturate, inculcate, same root, our children to be from the womb in utero that we are love, we came from love, and love has a divine value of the highest order and that creation itself is that. As a result, we are that because we are an inherent part of this evolutionary, magnificent, awesome creation, this web of life. Interesting? I hope so. Because this is an invitation, my dear friends, to loving ourselves into the space of self-love, not in some kind of self-aggrandizing, egoic way. No, 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 no. Fundamentally as beings, objects and subjects, or I should say instead, subjects and objects. We humans, we mammals, we primates, we humans, all sentient beings are from love because creation is from love. And if you don't believe me, disprove me. How's that for a proof? Tautological, eh? Yes. Try to disprove what I'm saying. I don't think you will be able to. On the other hand, I will say I can prove it because I am it. I am it because I declare it as so. And I was given this gift of declaration through my consciousness, my heart, and my soul, all of which wittingly inform my being. And if that's so for me, that is so for you, because on the highest level of existence, we ain't separate. We are one. So I'm just one part of you doing the declaration for us, for all. And you can be yet another cell in the larger body of the divine, declaring same. And I'm going to suggest that the more cells of us decide to make such declarations, the more we can shift the face and body and soul of the world. Yes. Easy? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Depends on what kind of conversations we can have about creating a better world. What kind of conversations we can have about creating a new epoch, a new era, a new way of being, a new society, a great, another great society. Not just in the materialism of the world. No, no, no. Not just in more technology. No, 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 no. 
But the use of same, the use of the material world, the use of the technological world, artistically, with grace, with aesthetic, with proportion, with integrity, with ethics. Okay? Does that tilt the picture aright? Should this not be what we call the new normal? Instead of people staring at their cell phone and texting as they cross major thoroughfares in Manhattan and everywhere else on the planet today, staring down at a two-by-two-inch screen, oblivious to everything and everyone around them? Look, I ride my bicycle through Manhattan all the time, every day, and I am alarmed at what I see on the road with people who are busy texting that that is the beginning and end of their lives during those moments instead of being aware ubiquitously aware of their environment globally present that's the way to be when you walk in New York sure if you need to send a text or receive a phone call hey no problem Stand aside, don't block the road, don't stand in the street, don't block the, where people are walking the, the thoroughfare, and do your thing. Finish it and get on with the business of walking, looking, seeing, absorbing, being alive and present, you know, whether it's on the street, whether it's in a car, whether it's in an elevator, you clearly, I'm an urbanite here. And these are the things we have to think about. And we want to graduate from the what has become this normalized, technologized, robotic society into a most alive, most beautiful, most aesthetically arresting, as James Joyce said, society that is so beautiful we live in a state of awe and gratitude grace and love, compassion for each other, happy that we were born into what the Buddhists would call this precious human birth so that we would have the leisure to love one another and enjoy one another and celebrate life, not to destroy it, not to destroy each other with fancy bombs and missiles and craziness, but to hold each other's hand and build a society, build gardens, farms, uh, use such enlightened um, practices as permaculture, uh, harnessing uh, solar energy and wind and water, feng shui at its highest and most noble. This is cool stuff helping each other, developing arts, developing different new technologies is fantastic. But when they're used for the good and for the benign, the benevolent, this is what this game is about. Do any of you know the work of Edward Bellamy? The book was called Looking Backward. There may be still Bellamy groups existing to this day. Honestly, I wouldn't doubt it. But I was fortunate enough to have a mother 
may she rest in peace, Marilyn Joan Rabin, wherever you may be. I think you're listening. Oh, yeah. I think you're listening. I even dare say I think you're enjoying it, especially that I'm making reference to you. Anyway, Marilyn Joan Rabin uh, was one heavy, interesting gal. She was my mother, and she was a thinker out of the box from the beginning. And uh, among other things, she turned me on to this book when I was at the precious tender age of about 14. And go look it up yourself. You'll see. There was a society that Bellamy created in this book, Looking Backward. It's its whole kind of science fictional kind of uh, narrative. But he's looking back at a time when, in the far, far future, instead of just the far future, people had high-level technologies that could tr- transport themselves easily from one place to another and um, do wonderful things and uh, uh, were there for each other. So emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually, they were all in each other's court. We didn't have to worry about people kind of taking advantage of them and manipulating them for their own private good, so to speak, although there's nothing good in it. It may appear good, but it ain't good. You know, and... The idea of inclusion, of collectivity, of oneness, were all embedded and ingrained in the ideas in the society. The ideas that govern the society. You wouldn't think of hurting anybody because it was like, it's too silly there. Why in the world would somebody want to hurt somebody? It's so contrary to life. It's anti-life. It doesn't stand to reason. So when you digest that we are one on some fundamental level, you're just going to go to hurt other people. It doesn't make sense. Or other sentient beings, for that matter, when you expand out the paradigm. So the Bellamy movement, I think, goes back to the 30s. That you can't quote me on was all about the establishment of a society that really had brains. (laughs) Brains in their head, brains in their heart, and as I was saying earlier, brains in the gut. And they were unified, they were coordinated, they were speaking to one another, and we were all talking to ourselves, you could say. Yes, we were a society that talked to ourselves. Yes, we were listening to a higher voice, an inner voice that spoke with sage wisdom, with a level of intelligence that looked out by definition for all beings. And on that basis was created a society that was known as the Bellamy Society. And there were people who used to get together in groups all across the country, if not the world, certainly the United States, to talk about how we can create such a society that really had understanding, sympathy, uh, putting oneself into another's shoes at core, at root, at cause. And having done so, we had a sustainable, renewable, eco-friendly, 
anthropo-friendly kind of society where we really tapped in to our higher nature and creatively, imaginatively created from that place and from that space. Is this cool? I mean, is this good? So what you're getting to see is this delicate weave of micro to macro. That's the game I'm always playing with, y'all. Always playing with how can I reconfigure myself, my own being, in a way that I am active, not reactive. How I am high, not low. How I am reaching forward in my brain structure instead of back. How can I move forward? I've interpreted this for my clients and my friends and my colleagues for years as moving from the reptilian brain into the prefrontal lobes. Okay? That's what it means when we move forward. I, I want to shine another light on that very common phrase. Let's go forward. That's right. Stepping out of fear and into love. Because that's really what we're talking about. Now, pretty soon I'll be interviewing Dr. Richard Davidson, who really, really interesting man, uh, one of the leading neuroscientists in the world, who embarked upon his own practice of meditation uh, decades ago and really was one of the formidable pioneers in bringing that into academic scientific study and was invited by His Holiness the Dalai Lama to study the brains of some of the Dalai Lama's top Buddhist monks who have been meditating anywhere from 6 to 12 hours a day, 7 days a week for, oh, 20, 30, 40 years. Well, certainly that's not a lifestyle that is going to suit and match ours. Um, but, uh, interestingly, I feel very, very uh, gifted to have learned about something called higher brain living, which is the name, the generic name for a technique that I mentioned earlier that can help to advance us and help to bring us forward, move us forward in a way that would not require that kind of disciplined monk-like dedication, but much faster. And for those of you who know me for any length of time know that I have been on this path this track for a long time. I mean, after all, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I started studying uh, and got my mantra for the transcendental meditation back in the early 70s when I was uh, but a high school student. I was hungry, and before that I was studying yoga, and I already had some awakenings which occurred in my being from reading the Tao Te Ching and the Upanishads. This is just what my life was, even though I was born Jewish and had no feel for it really until later. And I came to see some of its wisdom, not as a practitioner as such, but as appreciating its immense and amazing sacred body of wisdom that it so magnificently contains. Uh, I had these other types of experiences and influences which woke me up 
that had me then later in the mid-80s go into um, some way of uh, utilizing music, binaural beat, and sound along with subliminal messages that would bring me and others who practiced with me uh, into an alpha, theta, and delta state that brought the two hemispheres of the brain into synchronization into uh, into uh, harmony and out of that came heart harmony or heart coherence simultaneous to brain coherence head brain coherence and I was on that path for quite some time utilizing these methods of you could say again accelerating the path of utilizing technology to step up the speed of uh, meditation. I did the same thing with the use of flotation tanks in the 80s as well, which was a natural uh, outpouring of that same interest in accelerating the access to higher consciousness. And many of us did that. Uh, You can go further and say, talk about the utilization, the intelligent and responsible utilization of God's gift of sacred plants, plants that activate the psyche in along with the body and uh, that have been used by shamans for countless thousands of years that bring us into alignment with the divine. Wow. So there are many ways to the Godhead. Oh, yes to the divine, to the arms of the divine. And they should all be utilized. And when we find something that uh, resonates with us, or we find something that looks like it's particularly effective, we really want to open up our ears and our minds and listen. And uh, by what I can see and what I have experienced, higher brain living provides us with one of those avenues for this to occur. So I will be inviting Dr. Michael Cotton back onto A Better World to discuss this with me, as well as onto A Better World television. And uh, so please get our newsletters, abetterworld.tv, are there, and forward this, this show, this monologue it became, uh, to your friends and family who are interested in the full flowering of the human dimension, of the human consciousness, and moving toward the creation of a better world, of a new dimension in living, of, of a sixth epoch, a sixth era, a new time, rather than discussing extinction, which, by the way, is happening by the day, by the hour, uh, because of our heavy-duty polluting of our beautiful planet, uh, the water, the soil, the air, the uh, poles, they are melting, and they are melting fast by deforestation of the lungs of the earth, the Amazon and the Congo. We have done untold damage, unspeakable damage, and it would break anybody's heart to contemplate for more than 10 seconds. It would just break your heart to go into the depths 
I don't know if any one of us is actually capable of feeling the true depth of what we, the damage that we have wrought on each other and on our planet. I think that we might just evaporate. And Gurdjieff used to talk about the organ kundabuffer, which was decided, decided by the higher beings to be installed around the sacral area, interestingly, to buffer us against our own idiocy and to have even some level of amnesia, actually, um, against and from our own insanity. Um, and uh, But when we contemplate it, even for a few seconds, it really galvanize us, galvanizes us into the direction of doing the right thing, of becoming whole ourselves and responding to that wholeness with a sense of love and appreciation for the gift of life and moving in that direction with our brothers and sisters in hand so we can really make a difference in the world. I mean really concrete differences. I mean, yes, we need to emanate that love on the micro level and we want to keep at that for our lifetimes. And I spoke about the idea that if we don't have the mental limitation that life is only for uh, people into their 80s or their 90s, we can blow that one open and go way, way further. And it uh, behooves us to take proper nutritional care of ourselves and proper resting care of ourselves and proper self-loving care of ourselves. Hello, that's the nourishment that is the nourishment we need at base for ourselves to get the true human story, not the originally sinful story, no, 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 but the true story that we were given life and to respect it. We need to respect ourselves by utterly loving ourselves as the divine, let's say. Let's go for it. As God, okay? Because we are part of that. And that makes us holy by definition. And then we need to utterly love ourselves and respect ourselves. And out of that begets more love for all. Hallelujah. Oh, mate. We're in the same place, right? And that will galvanize actions toward the development of renewable energies all over the planet, of creating a sustainable, earth-friendly society, of a people-friendly society, of doing things smartly, efficiently, of freeing ourselves from the addiction of money and the addiction to plastics and the addiction to war and the addiction to the chemicals that get released in the brain, sort of like what happens when we take things like cocaine that occur when, uh, when greed is being engaged, uh, where one wins and all others lose. This is actually an illness. This is a serious pathology, and I say it is actually an addiction and should be looked at and treated as such. So that means that a lot of Wall Street, unfortunately, really would have to go into addiction rehabilitation programs because the world that they are generating and seeking to promote 
is one that they win in, everyone else loses in. Same with those members of such corporations that belong to ALEC, those government officials as well as and especially elected ones who are part of this very sick system. And we need to move beyond all of this. And right now it's got a stranglehold on us. And we have to loosen up the grip and move collectively in the right direction. Those that promulgate such weird things as GMOs and pollute and denigrate our planet and our society and our earth, we need to move beyond this and see it for what it is, the illness that it truly is, without justifying it and moving forward in a healthy, wealthy heart, mind, soul, spirit, and material way and make the world a better place for all. So that, my friends, is what I call leadership. So I do hope you enjoyed this. Thanks so much for joining me here today. And pass this on to your friends and your relatives and your adversaries, all of them, because we're all, as Jesse Jackson said, in the same boat now. You know that. We all came over on different boats. But now we're all the same one together. Let's do something meaningful. Thank you so much for joining us. Our website, abetterworld.tv, mitchellrabin.com if you need some kind of consulting, stress management. Uh, we have the Harmonic Energetic Balancing Program, which is done remotely. It's all on the website, abetterworld.tv, and uh, biofeedback in person for some stress reduction. All of it is available. Lots more just by tuning in to a Better World, every Monday night at 7 on television these days, at 9 on Progressive Radio Network, when I feature a film, a progressive documentary, every week, and on Wednesday nights, A Better World, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks again for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.